It's All Access with LMU Baseball Head Coach Nathan Choate. I'm your host, Jonathan Grace. Each week, Coach Choate will take Lions behind the scenes with the LMU Baseball Program, talk about page magic and upcoming events with the team. Coach, as always, it's a pleasure to have you with us. Good to see you, Jonathan. You as well, and we've got a special guest on the podcast today, LMU Assistant Coach and Recruiting Coordinator, Tony Asaro. Coach Asaro, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me here, Jonathan. LMU Athletics would like to thank University Credit Union for bringing you today's episode of All Access. University Credit Union is a proud supporter of the Lions family, and you can visit your local University Credit Union at ucu.org. This season on the podcast, we've gotten the benefit of speaking to a lot of players on this LMU baseball team, and today we're throwing a curveball at you. We're sitting down with head coach Nathan Choate and LMU assistant coach and recruiting coordinator Tony Asaro. And trust me, this is one you don't want to miss. We get insights into the recruiting process, what it was like to recruit during a pandemic, the impact of social media on recruiting, what it takes to be a great student athlete, and how to keep developing as a player even when you're only in a program for a year. All that and more on today's episode of All Access. So without further ado, here's my conversation with head coach Nathan Choate and assistant coach and recruiting coordinator Tony Asaro. So gentlemen, we've got a lot to cover today. Coach Asaro, I want to talk a little bit more about you. Let's start with that. Obviously, recruiting is a massive part of the college game. And for those who may not be as familiar with the college recruiting process, could you walk us through it a little bit? Yeah, I'd love to. You know, I think that it's it's got so many layers to it now more than it ever did with the amount of opportunities for young guys to play all over the country, really, and, and year round that it, it used to be a lot more simple with your high school season and then your couple tournaments in the summer that you played with the same team growing up the entire time. And now there's a lot of opportunities for these guys um, all over the country where they have a chance to play from a very young age and travel ball. And so it's it's changed a little bit the landscape of of what the kids think about and, and and it's allowed us opportunities to see them and more opportunities to view them. And in the last year, it's, it's taken another swing again with social media becoming that much more of an influence in terms of what they've had access to. And, and everyone has a video camera now. So every single thing that they do gets evaluated and viewed. And, and so I think that's been the biggest adjustment for us as a staff is you're used to putting your own eyes on something and being able to evaluate that way and understand what it looks like and what it feels like and how they act and and now having to do that via video and in some of the limited capacity that we're able to that has been um, an interesting kind of hurdle here in the last year well that bit about social media is actually really interesting and i'd love to to kind of dive more into that do you think that's placed a little bit more pressure on on kids to maybe start thinking about the recruiting process earlier than they would have yeah, yeah, we think it's sped it up a lot. You know, you see your, your best friends that are committing places and, and you see them placing video and maybe they're getting phone calls and interest that, that you're not quite there yet. And so you start to worry about some of the wrong things rather than just continuing to develop and continue to stay course of finding ways to get better and, and play for your team and plan to win and, and understanding that it is so rare for guys to go hidden now. There's so many, so many things we have access to as coaches and ways to see them play and, and find them that if they continue to do things the right way and continue to play well, we're going to find them. You know, I think it's it's when they start to try to push that process and hurry that process, they, they may make decisions they're quite not ready for or or maybe they haven't thought enough about because really in, until you get married, this is going to be the biggest decision that you're going to make in, in your life, right? Where you're, where you're going to surround yourself by the people that are going to be helping you to mature for the next you know three to four years of your life and in, in some very developmental years from a lot of aspects. So I, I think it... 
asking a guy at 14, 15 years old, that's that's asking them a lot. And so for these guys to feel like they need to hurry, um, that may be the one time where they actually hold a few more cards than we do. So they need to slow down and, and control that a little bit better. And Coach Chota, I'd love to get your input on this as well, you know, kind of in a two-part question. One, do you think that social media has has sped up the recruiting process, as Coach Asara was mentioning? And also, when the players get to LMU, what role does social media play there in, in kind of their image and the image of the university? Absolutely, it plays a part. Um, you know, like when Coach Asara said, they're seeing people and their peers commit. They feel pressure to commit. And if they're a sophomore and haven't committed yet, they feel like they're getting left behind. They're hearing the stories of, hey, X, Y, and Z schools don't have any scholarships left. And that is not true. So I, it definitely plays a part, um, you know. And then one of the things for us with experience, you can evaluate a player, just their skill set on social media. You can watch the skills, how hard they throw, the metrics, all of that stuff. But you can't see how they interact with their teammates because, you know, you can video edit it. So, so some of the mistakes, which honestly, that's a lot of times what we're looking for is what a player does wrong or where they need to grow. We don't get to see that stuff because it's edited on video on social media. So that's obviously part one. It's, it is challenging and it's way more involved. And then when our guys get here, no doubt with, with the impact that social media has had, not just with us, but, but professional athletes, I think it's really important for people to be really mindful for what they put out there. Um, and this, and the things that they say and do and how they represent themselves, because those don't go away. You know, when I was younger, much younger, when, when I was in college and we didn't have social media, I would make a ton of mistakes like young people do. The, the, the difference is it was a story. I learned a lesson from it. It wasn't in, you know, etched in history somewhere on some browser that, that you can't erase. And so I think it's really, really hard. I think it puts a lot of pressure on people. Um, on young people to make the right decisions and say the right things at the right times. And so it, it is difficult, but it has a huge role um, as far as their career here at LMU and kind of branding themselves as an athlete here at LMU. Well, Coach Choate, you mentioned some of those intangibles, things that you can't see on social media. And, and I kind of want to talk about that for a minute, specifically with regards to recruiting. You know, you often hear people talk about a good fit, what makes a player a good fit for a university or not. What specifically do you and Coach Asaro look for in a player that makes them a good fit for LMU? Uh, you know, a lot of it is how they play the game, how they interact with their teammates. With travel, it's funny, I was talking to the team about this the other day, with, with travel ball now, you have a lot of guys that meet up on a Friday. They go out to Arizona and they play in a tournament for four days and they're friends and they play and everyone's going to play equal amounts. And then they go back and, and then they go back to their regular life for the week and then they do it the following week. So I think for us, trying to find guys that know the difference between being a friend and being a teammate, you know, and teammates will hold you accountable. And so we watch a lot of the interactions between the coach or, or the player that we're recruiting and the coach, the interactions with the teammates, the player we're recruiting and how he interacts with other teammates, especially when he fails. Um, a lot of times how he interacts with his parents after the game and, and mom and dad are obviously trying to talk to him and he had a bad game, maybe struck out three times or whatever the case may be, or didn't pitch well. How does he handle that failure? And so there's a lot of things like that. There was a kid, I'll tell you a quick story real quick. There's a kid that we had offered a scholarship to at an institution that I was at previous when I was a recruiting coordinator. And he, when he was done playing catch, he took the baseball and he threw it towards the bag, you know, where the, the ball bag. And one of his teammates told him to pick it up because he missed, right? He was shooting it like a basketball. And the kid kind of popped off and his teammate was like, you know, you pick it up. I'm not picking it up. Somebody else can pick it up. That night, the scholarship got pulled. 
Um, and so he ended up, the funny story is he ended up going to a big West school and ended up being there for a year or two. And then I think obviously got cut. And so it's things like that. It's those interactions, those things that you can't see on social media that when you're there and you're watching that stuff, um, those are, those are the big separators for us. That's so interesting hearing those little tidbits, things that you normally wouldn't think that a recruiter would be looking at, but it's those little details that, that seem to make all the difference. And Coach Asaro, I'd love to ask you about this as well. You know, in, in your mind, what is something that makes an athlete a good fit for the university, both on the field and off the field? Yeah, no, I, I agree with Coach in every aspect. I think if I disagreed with him a lot, we'd have some issues in, in who was coming in here and, and who we were trying to get to be, you know, impact guys on on our in our program. And I, I think it absolutely it's it, for us. It's about the people, right? It is if we bring in the right person, the right type of individual that is about the things that we believe in and and our reasons for being great can line up. Um, then we are going to have an opportunity to be really successful as a program. And so sometimes it's not, you know, I think there's a certain level of talent you need to see, right? Certain positions on the field, you're looking for certain tangible, physical things that they can do to let us evaluate and say, yes, we think that this person can make a difference in our program at each position. And once you've evaluated that, now it is like Coach said, where it's trying to figure out who they are really about as a person, what they believe in, what is it that they want out of their college experience, and and does that align with what we're trying to do? And 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 it's is winning at the highest level is a huge part of that, but it's about more, right? It's about helping them develop as men and helping them leave this program with a degree and and prepared and ready for for the challenges they're going to face in life because life's not fair. And I think the world found that out last year with everything they've had to deal with. But people aren't going to feel sorry for you as you go along with it. So we've got to find guys that can handle the pressures of college baseball and the pressures of life and and being coached tough where you're going to be held accountable to things. Um, so that's a big piece of it. And I think a lot of times the off the field stuff that you're referring to in, in the classroom is such a huge piece because it gives us an insight into the work ethic. And can they stay on it? A, a GPA may not tell you everything about somebody. They're going to everybody has their own you know, learning situations that they're dealing with that are going to dictate what the GPAs are going to be. But it's it's about the effort level that's going into earning that grade. It's OK to be a B student, but if you're going to be a B student, you need to get B's. Right. You can't be a B student and be getting D's and C's and scraping by by the skin of your teeth because you made decisions, you know, that you wanted to go do something that was a little bit more fun. So a lot of times a little bit more of an academic student's going to tell us that they can stay on something a little bit longer. They maybe have some built in disciplines and some off the field mentality that allows them to stay on things that are hard and maybe aren't fun because not a lot of baseball players. There's some, but not a lot of baseball players want to sit down and do homework all night. Most of them want to go to the cages or the weight room and go practice their skill set. But when when you see a GPA or you see an effort level going into the academic side and the off the field situations, a lot that's going to give you a big time insight into what you're going to get on the field when you start to push them hard. Well, I'd love to hear from both of you on this, but kind of following up on your point there, Coach Asaro, what do you do when you see a player that, that you know you know has good potential as a student and is maybe starting to focus one way or another? You know, How do you keep them motivated to be strong in the classroom and on the field? Yeah, I think Coach, Coach has done a great job of that this year. I, for us, it's pretty simple. If they choose to not make that something they want to do, then we remove the thing that they want to do and they suddenly become very good at the off-the-field academic piece of that. You know, I, I think that they need to understand they're, they're brought here to be student athletes. We tell every recruit we've recruited since we've been together for the last two years, you're a student athlete, right? And, and the student piece of that comes first. That is what the scholarship is for, is to pay for them to go to school and to, to, 
to earn a degree. The baseball part, they, they would do for free because they love it and they enjoy it. And so when they're here and they're not enjoying it or they're here and they're choosing to not focus, that's always a choice, right? That's usually something that they've made a conscious decision they don't want to do. And so then we address that and, and we've removed guys from the field and we've, we've gotten them with, we're lucky to have Matt Cassania, our academic advisor. He's done a great job for a lot of years and gives guys every resource they need to be successful. And, and so I think those two things working hand in hand have allowed guys to, to realize where they need to keep their focus. Well, Coach Shoot, I'd love to hear from you on this as well. Um, you know, what are some of the things that you do to, to kind of keep these guys motivated? I think it comes down to time management and having good time management skills. And if they're not good at managing their time, we'll manage it for them, like like Coach Asaro said. So um, if they're putting too much of a priority on one or the other, and, and typically it's more of a priority on the field than off the field, then we're going to manage their time for them and, and, and make some adjustments to fix it. So at the same time, understanding that they're 18, 19, 20 years old, and this is part of why they're here to learn how to do that stuff. You know, most young people that struggle with their time management, I just feel like they're they're always trailing it, right? They're always the last one to do this. They forgot to do their laundry. They're always putting off the paper till the last minute. And the people that are successful in the classroom, they, they plan ahead a little bit, right? And then before, they're more proactive than reactive. And so sometimes that's a skill set, right, that you can learn. And so that's part of our job, too. Is not just to teach a guy how to throw a curveball or how to hit a fastball and that kind of stuff, but how to become better men, how to make those decisions. And instead of playing, I don't even know if guys play Fortnite anymore because I'm getting old, but playing some video game at 12 o'clock or 11 o'clock, instead of doing that and making sure you get that a chapter of reading or, or that paper, whatever the case may be. So more than anything, I think it's just time management. And then because of my title, ultimately, I do have the hammer on making some of those decisions if they choose not to do things the way we should, then obviously they're going to be held accountable. Well, Coach Asara, I'd love to turn to you now and speak a little bit more about recruiting. Um, you know, obviously in a perfect world, recruiting this year would have looked a lot different. Can you talk us through what recruiting during a pandemic looked like and what some of those challenges were? <laughs> yes, I would. That has been that has been an experience and a half, I think, from from watching. You know, a lot of it. So it, it turned into at the beginning, the inability to see them play at all because nobody had really figured out how are we going to stream a game on field six at Padres Complex in Peoria to a college coach at home because everybody right away kind of hit the brakes on everyone they were recruiting and and slowed down a little bit to evaluate and say, okay, what is this going to look like for our roster immediately right now, now that everyone's getting their year back? That was kind of the first thing we needed to sort out as a staff was which players are going to be coming back what is our actual roster at this time going to look like before we can go try to make decisions for the future and and what that's going to hold um, and so once we had figured out that that allowed us to kind of then evaluate um, how we were going to build the roster for the next couple of years we we went a little bit slower than some other schools so we, we didn't go out and just grab guys because we were worried about not being able to see them or maybe not getting the best player or you know, getting getting somebody that is going to be off the board. So we needed them to, to hurry and make a play. Um, we went a little bit slower and, and trusted our ability to evaluate players and trusted that at some point this was going to break and we were going to get to go see some guys. And it looks like in June coming up here, we're going to have the chance to do that. But the uh, the last year is especially in the summertime when when the when guys had figured out how to play and some other states were open, uh, those states became hotbeds for tournaments and for you know, the iPod camera in the screen or the GoPro that a parent was hooking up. And so I spent a lot of time 
maybe even wasted time staring at my computer screen trying to figure out who that was pitching and what the ball was doing and what the game looked like and uh, watching some of those those uh, those streams and live cameras was interesting especially with a three-year-old girl and a newborn at, at home we couldn't get on campus to do that so that became a, an intriguing thing and and social media I think helped that a lot more that was as we kind of got further into it some of the stuff you'd spend nine hours watching four bad streams of a game and then a young man would would tweet out a video of him taking the three best swings he took of the day and you'd see exactly what you're looking for in five minutes versus sitting there for nine hours so I think it was how to be efficient with time because that's usually the biggest problem is when you're when you're out recruiting normally it's you can't be everywhere and you can't recruit everything and so you have to be very intelligent about how you use that time how you, where and how you are are executing as a staff and what you need to see that was a challenge because I had no idea how to do that for the last you know, year because it hadn't been done before. That was a once in a century pandemic and nobody had recruited during one. And so I think we won't know who did a good job of that and who didn't for another couple of years once these guys get on campus and we kind of see what, what the classes are doing uh, to know exactly who, who, who was bringing in the right guys and, and, and things like that. And so you know, that was a glimpse into it anyway of, of that. Well, it's so interesting to, to kind of hear that process. And, you know, Coach Asaro, obviously at LMU, you do a lot more than, than just recruiting, especially with this team. You're also an assistant coach and you work very heavily with these guys on the field as well. And on the topic of time management, how do you kind of manage the recruiting side of things with making sure these guys get the coaching that they need on the field as well? Well, the priority is always going to be the players that are on our field. And I think if anything, that helps us in recruiting a lot because I know if I were being recruited somewhere and my assistant coach or anybody on my staff was more worried about somebody that's not here yet than they are about me and how to get better and how to win, that would be a problem. And so I think that the number one priority is always going to be the players that are on our campus. And and usually when we bring in the right guys, they understand that on the backside of, hey, we may not be able to talk all night long and and spend time breaking down video and stuff because right now we need to get prepared to, to get these guys better every day and continue to work on some things. So, you know, I think that's that's kind of the biggest way that you manage the time is setting your priorities of what is more most important to you as a program and as a staff and then and then you work from there. And and then after that it's it's determining as the season goes and as players get better and develop and you start to learn more about your team on the field. And I think that's why it is such a priority. You start to realize what you mean, may need to go recruit and, and who you may need to add uh, in addition to your roster so that you can help continue it to grow. And, and that's one of the reasons we don't, we don't necessarily do the super, super early recruiting stuff because we need to have a better idea of what exactly is on our field and what it is that we're going to need at this time before we go out and try to, to add somebody who's coming four years from now. Well, Coach Chote, I want to turn to you now and let's rewind the clock back to, to 2019 when it was announced that you would be leading this program and you had the choice of selecting the rest of your coaching staff. Um, obviously, as we mentioned, Coach Asaro was a tremendous recruiter and a tremendous assistant coach. What were some of the other things that really drew him in, uh, in, in your eyes and made him a good fit for this LMU program? Well, I had the benefit of coaching him in, in college. So he played at UC Irvine. I was a volunteer assistant. Um, and you know, we went to Omaha in 2007. He knows what it looks like to be part of a winning program. He knows what it takes and the sacrifices that it takes to, to get to Omaha, which is our goal. Um, and so I, I knew how loyal he was. Um, I knew he had a high motor. I mean, he, he is such a hard worker that 
that I, I don't know if there's anybody that works harder than him on the West Coast. And so, or honestly in the country. So there were some things that I knew about him that were different than just me hiring a guy that I didn't have a relationship with or somebody told me about, Um, you know, I I remember when I was interviewing for this job, I was still out recruiting, right? And we we actually had met in Arizona at an event and kind of broke it down of of what, you know, if this were to happen, I'd love to talk to him and where we would go from there and that kind of stuff. So I had some insight just because I knew him as a player. I knew what he was about. Um, you know, I know his family, I know his, you know, where he comes from, who he is as a person and what he stands for. And I just, I knew that that would be a great fit for what we're trying to build here. And, and he's done an unbelievable job. He, he's pretty modest, but one of the things that he did leave out on the, on the, co- or on the pandemic recruiting, you know, he beat people on the portal, like, like Alec Cargan, our catcher is a really good catcher, man. And he's a great kid. He's a right fit. Julian Burry. Um, those are both guys that, that Tony, you know, he checked that transfer per- portal daily and, and contacted them right away and, and started the process. And so, you know, yes, he may not be recruiting seventh graders during a pandemic, but he was still recruiting, you know, two guys, two of our better hitters that at this point last year, we didn't even know about. We didn't even know their names. And so that was done in, in closer to June um, in July. Well, that's that actually is a, is a great segue into my next set of questions for for Coach Asaro is, you know, some of these guys like Alec Cargan and Julian Burry, you know, what was that process like for you to to kind of hop on the portal very early and, and really just make sure that you're the first out of the gate when reaching out to these guys who, as Coach Cho said, have made a huge impact on this LMU team this season? Yeah, well, gosh, they've they've been so tremendous to have here. It's been easy on that side of things but finding them and and that was kind of why I said early was rather than go and grab young guys because we were worried they would be gone as we evaluated some things about what our program needed right away in order for us to be competitive and and so we took a look at that I think the first thing was trying to figure out what what players and conferences weren't going to be allowed to return for a fifth year of play Right. And, and that's kind of what happened with both of those young guys is that they weren't looking to leave because their situations weren't right or it was too hard for them or they hadn't had success. And so they wanted a change of scenery. Both of them had been very successful at their previous institutions, but both of their previous institutions didn't allow for a fifth year of of competition. And so that's kind of what allowed, I think, their transition here to be very seamless was that they were excited for another opportunity, not necessarily looking for something to change so that it could be easier for them and and they right away after a phone call a lot of times you get off a phone with someone and you know whether or not they're the right type of person that that you'd like to have and and I think we knew with Cooper there was a chance that he was going to sign early in that process and Coop did a great job of communicating with that with us um, and so that made it a little bit you know better in terms of knowing what we were going to need for the fall um, and then with Trevin leaving, it's hard to replace a middle of the order bat anytime, especially a guy that could hit like Trevin and, and, and had the leadership and, and things like that. Um, but we recognize as a staff on, on film that, that Julian had the ability to handle the bat and it would bring experience that could hit at the top of our order or the middle of our order. Um, and he's done a, a wonderful job of that to this point. So. Well, we often talk about, you know, what these guys have brought to LMU, but, you know, how important is it as well to bring in these more experienced players, but also continue to develop them, even if they're here for just a short time? Yeah, that's that's such an important piece of that thing, because a lot of like they were coming because they wanted the opportunity to try to play professional baseball if they could come here and have a good season. That was a piece of that. 
Um, and we felt like we could help continue to add to what they had been taught and, and their previous staffs did a wonderful job with both of them and, and, and helping them develop into the men that they were. Um, and I think anytime you get a, a new set of people speaking to you you, you, you learn something new. It's like when your dad told you something year after year after year, and then your high school coach told you the, the same thing, but said it a little different. You finally would listen and you'd come home telling your dad about it. And he's shaking his head in the corner going, gosh, I told that guy 8,000 times. He finally listened. I, and I think some of that has occurred where it's like, hey, we see this and this. Here's some areas you can improve. And and both of them did a great job of working on it. And, and um, the staff has continued to do a good job of staying with them on that. But they, they are great young men. Both of those guys are wonderful additions. And I think anytime you continue to add some old pieces that are the right type of people to that, it's going to help your young guys come along because they can see how it's done and they can see that you need a routine, that you need a work ethic, that you need to understand how to manage your time. And so for our young players to see old guys and how they go about their business every day, that's that's what's going to make us so good in the next year or two as we're playing so many freshmen right now and they're getting to see you know, what it looks like with a catcher who's as solid as Alec is, how does he go about preparing himself? And a hitter like Julian, how does he go about his daily routine and making sure that he's prepared? And, and so that has been such a, an unbelievable blessing to have both those guys. Well, Coach Choate, we, we've had the pleasure of speaking with both Julian and Alec on the podcast already this season. And, you know, it's very clear, as Coach Asaro was, was kind of referencing their work ethic and how they go about developing themselves as players. It's really impactful to see, you know, from someone who's a student and a fan uh, to see how hard those guys work. But, you know, kind of asking you the same question I asked Coach Asaro, how important is that development and more specifically for the younger guys on the team to see these older guys continue to develop? <laughs> yeah, no, it's really, really important. That's why we needed older guys when we identified that. You know, what our schedule is now and what our schedule was, you know, has changed, right? And 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 we knew that we had a lot of young players coming in from the get-go. We knew going into this season we were going to have a lot of young players. But we realized with Cooper and Trevin, when nobody really knew what was going to happen with the draft because now it was 20 rounds, so the rules had changed before you kind of asked scouts, like, hey, what do you think on this game? So there was a lot of stuff in limbo. We weren't sure if those guys were going to be back. We knew if if they left, we had to bring in older players. I mean, just because young guys, you have your ups and downs. They're inconsistent. They they haven't been through through it yet. And so those guys coming in was huge. Um, Having older players that know how to do it, that have been through it, that have, you know, Alec told the guys the other day, he was saying, you know, the freshmen don't realize that he was a freshman at one time and he's going through the same things that they're going through. He went through them. They just never saw it. They just see the finished product when he comes in and he's a polished player and he's mature and all those things. And so the fact that those guys can share those experiences with them and go, hey, look, as a freshman, I hit 210. I hit, you know, 240 or whatever the case may be. And then my sophomore year, I got a little bit better, a little bit better. And, you know, I think that's really, really good for those guys to have those guys around them to, to be a resource to bounce those things off of. Well, gentlemen, quickly before we let you go, you're finishing up that long road trip against the Waves in Pepperdine, and then beginning on Tuesday, April 27th, you guys will come home to Page Stadium where now a limited amount of fans are going to be allowed. How important is that for you guys and for this team to have a little bit more of that fan support? I think it's I think it's huge for the young guys and, and all of our guys. You know, we have been playing very inconsistent baseball and you know, some young guys who haven't had the success that they've wanted and, and they failed for the first time or have failed at a level that they've never failed at before 
to have their family and friends or, or relatives there to support them and, and make them feel good. I, I think that's that's going to be really, really important. Well, gentlemen, thank you both very much for your time. Coach Choate, it's always a pleasure. And Coach Asar, it was great to meet you uh, and to get some insights on recruiting and, and to have this conversation with you both today. Appreciate it, Jonathan. Appreciate it. And before we sign off today, we'd like to say a huge thank you to everyone who makes this podcast possible. Thank you to the LMU baseball program and head coach Nathan Choate for allowing us to bring you this podcast each week. Our KXLU station manager is Lydia Amasso, and our executive producer is Alexis Harris. And if you want to stay up to date with all things LMU baseball, you can follow at LMU Lions BSB on Instagram and Twitter to see what the Lions are up to this season. You can also get an exclusive look into the LMU baseball program by listening in right here on 88.9 FM KXLU each Tuesday at 6 p.m. or on lmulions.com slash podcasts to relive each episode anytime. And Lions, thank you for joining us for All Access with Nathan Choate. Join us next week as Coach Choate continues to take you behind the scenes with the LMU baseball program. I've been your host, Jonathan Grace. Until next time, have a great week and go Lions.